Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. Gentlemen, I think we can mark a real success at this point. My understanding is that all Mark 1 Kickstarter orders have been shipped out to customers. Is that correct? That's correct. Oh, yeah. Well, everyone that's filled out a survey. I mean, there's people who haven't filled out a survey, but yes, all that we can ship, we have. Does that feel good? Yeah, it feels good. Well, more importantly, they're like in stock. So we we fulfilled the Kickstarter ones, and then we had, you know, back orders. and Everything, all of that has been fulfilled, and we're like in stock. Like if you go to studioneed.com, you can order a pin, and it will like ship like the next day. So that feels good. Yeah, I assume that that took a bunch of additional work, right, to actually get a stock level that you could actually start doing automatic shipping with. I bet that's that was a big deal. Yeah, I don't... I don't know the numbers, but yeah, it was a decent amount of pins that we... The race was not over for a long time, but we are here. You take, you, you, you've been very grandiose today about this one. <laughs> I actually don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> the day has finally come at which we have shipped our pen to the world. Yeah. It's definitely unexpected that... It was we estimated November shipping uh, on the Kickstarter, and it was good that we were able to start shipping in November. But I did not foresee it would take us four months to get everything shipped out. So that was a little bit crazy. Uh, and I don't think any project we've done has taken that long, like once from beginning to ending shipping for it to be that long of a period. So Yeah, nowhere close. That was really new for us, so that's good. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Like when you think about it, the, the problems <laughs> yeah. aren't this. Like the typical problems for missing a, like a, a ship date is like there is something during the production process that we didn't foresee and it's caused a problem. But but this was like the the issue came way later but it wasn't stop the presses which these things tend to yeah. be it's like we can still do this but it's going to be slow i think if if i would have known we'd be talking to you at the end of march and had just finished i think if we would have known that in november we would have like rejected the parts and just like had them redo it all or something because that would have probably been faster probably i don't maybe not right right rather than like yeah. having to check them all throwing half of them away and remaking half you just be like yeah like all right, polishing yeah. them by hand and all this stuff yeah. yeah i mean the things that made it take a long time you would have been able to basically if you would have known right just been like we know this is not going to work like this is better for everyone yeah. if you just start again Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, I mean, they're making, they're like remaking like lots of parts for free for us. So, I mean, it's like, it's, <laughs> I mean, we're kind of doing that. We just are doing it on the inventory that we ordered that was like extra inventory and not yeah. like what we needed to like get out the door. So, and also like as a kind of like a post mortem on the situation, right? Like every, it felt like it, there were, all right, so we know there's these problems and we know how to fix it. So we'll do it. And then once that started, you get so far in and be like, ah, we now have a second problem, but we're so yeah. far into this process now that it's too late to turn back. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it is faster. Like, after, so it took probably like, I don't know, at least a month or so to decide on, okay, we can use these parts and it'll like be okay, or maybe even six weeks, I forget. So, you know, it took a while for us to, A, figure that out. And then by then, it felt like, oh, maybe we can get a bunch of these out or most of them out by the holidays. And then we realized we couldn't do that. And so, you know, it it all makes sense, you know, uh, internally. But um, yeah, like if we could know the future, then... um, And I think, I mean, that was one of the big decisions. I mean, you know, we've talked about before on the podcast where, you know, I think Dan and I basically made a decision like we're not, A, we're not going to like try to ever time product releases for like holidays or any like drop dead deadlines. And two, we're, I think, going to make sure with production parts that we're, that like take the time to really fix problems uh, and not let some deadline that we create be the thing that we're like pushing up against, if that makes any sense. So like, I think hopefully, my hope is that if we encounter a problem like this again, we'll be more um, willing to be like, oh, okay, stop the presses, like we need to either figure this out or like remake the parts instead of like try to, you know, fix the problem like in situ kind of. So I think... I hope, I hope that we have learned that lesson and we can do that next time. So we'll see. Because it will happen again <laughs> in some way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it feels, I mean, n- n- for no bad will, but like just inevitable. There's always yeah, something. No, I mean, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's always something. So, um, yeah, but you know, we're, it, it feels good. I mean, it feels good to be like through that and on to new things. We have like a lot of new things. Um, one of which is, making changes to the mark one parts and process so that doesn't so it's way easier uh okay for the parts that they're remaking yeah so okay so there's gonna you're gonna be making them slightly differently now going forward yeah so um we're kind of it's like version i have it in software as art like in like the file system as mark 1.1 basically (laughs) uh and there's a couple of changes we're making. The big one is eliminating nickel plating on the, um, we call it the body part of the pin, but like the main like thing you hold, the big part of the pin. Um, so that, you know, that was aluminum, that was nickel plated. And we did that not for the exterior of the pin because it gets removed with Cerakoting, but just the um, the ID, the like inner diameter of like where the knock slides in and out because we wanted it to be like really uh, durable and smooth. And when you machine metal, um, one way to make it smoother is like, even if it's machined really well is to then polish it. But another way is to just plate it like nickel plating it because it kind of fills in the machining uh, marks that are really small. So that was the idea with the nickel plating. And for the ID part, it like basically worked. Um, It's just that, there was this unforeseen problem uh, with the Cerakote that it caused like all these problems with the Cerakote. So basically we're just like eliminating nickel plating on the body of the um, Mark one. And then to then like have a durable material on the ID or inner diameter of the body, the thing to do it, we decided it was, we're making a stainless steel little like sleeve ring that is first like manually polished after it's made and then electro polished um after the fact and then it's press fit into just the aluminum body of the pin and then so 
there will be zero problem with seracoding because aluminum loves to be seracoded. And then we have this little part which we can focus, which we can have the manufacturer polish really well, um, press fit it in. And so we'll have a very clean process where we don't have to polish anything ourselves. The parts will be consistent and the seracoding won't be a problem. So that will, like that change alone will make like a huge difference um, in terms of like assembly mm-hmm. and just like consistency. And honestly, it's smoother. It's like better. So yeah, like, that's good. It's interesting to me when I hear you say it because that sounds like a really complicated and expensive thing. Like just the way that you describe that just seems like cost prohibitive just from the way that it's explained it is more expensive uh like from a pure parts like we have to pay for that extra sleeve part which is not a cheap part um but uh you know it saves so much time in like assembly time that where if if the only two options were and honestly the cerakote like the um having the nickel plating on the bodies especially for the white pins made the Cerakote cost four times what we thought it was going to originally going to cost. Okay. <laughs> and it was already one of the most expensive things to do on the pin or the, the most expensive thing. So like if you're comparing it to that, then it's not, it's totally worth it to do. And can, can you repeat like to me, in, you're getting rid of the nickel coating and it's easier yep. to Cerakote into aluminum, but why can you get yep. rid of the nickel coating by adding the stainless steel part? Okay, so so if we just had if this was just an aluminum pin and um we were the knock was like sliding in and out of just an aluminum ID, uh it actually like aluminum dust kind of comes off always because it's right. so much softer than other metals, mm-hmm. especially the like PVD coated <laughs> nickel knock, which is like very hard. Um so you get this like it's fine it's not like it hurts anything but you just get like you click the pin a bunch and you get this like kind of aluminum dust on the knock and that's probably fine it probably people wouldn't even notice it especially on the like the nickel colored knocks like you won't you don't see it at all um but it's just not great and so we're instead using a stainless steel part um there we're kind of making a stainless steel surface on the ID um, because that's a hard material, and the real plus side of stainless steel is you can electro polish stainless steel where you mm-hmm. can aluminum, so or easily. So you were nickel plating the aluminum, so aluminium. Oh my god, the, the aluminium, yeah. so that <laughs> yeah. it wasn't gonna wear. But by doing exactly, by doing the nickel plating, it also nickel plated the outside because there's nothing you can do yes. if you need to nickel plate the inside, and then the seracote yes. wouldn't stick. That's that's like exactly. the breakdown yeah. of the problem. Well, no, yeah. so I mean it's even more complex than that, but <laughs> we don't need to get into the, uh, high level. The, yeah, yeah, on yeah. high level, yeah, yeah. This is going on. Okay, so it's funny. This whole process has been such a um, a like metal hardness uh wear and like coatings thing like that's been the design process here and like the learning is it's not like even the the mechanism and stuff we actually got figured out pretty quickly mm-hmm. it's really just like the coatings of those things and like having them made a quantity reliably and all this stuff there's all these weird gotchas so that's been the kind of learning for us uh, and so we're like well equipped to like move forward you know with new with like you know more metal pin projects or just metal in general because we like have way more experience same with like pvd it's like great like we learned all this stuff so that's all good but it it was uh somewhat painful because we're just doing you know we we end up always doing stuff that's weird that no one's done like people do not nickel plate parts 
to then remove the nickel plating to, to then Cerakote them. It's just like not done, you know? So we're, we do all this weird stuff because uh, we're so with these weird high standards. So anyways, um, yeah. So that's those are the main changes we're making to make our lives easier. We're, you know, there's a couple things. Um, let's say one really interesting point, which I, um, which was another big, big learning piece. So, uh, you know, we had some QC problems with the parts, uh, and it m- mostly had to do with nickel plating, some machining, but mostly the nickel plating. Um, and I think when we ordered these parts, I definitely assumed uh, that each part would be like inspected. But what is standard for an Asia, and I'm guessing actually everywhere for these kind of parts, is they inspect like every, you know, I don't know how many, they, they inspect a small percentage of the parts that are made, right? Like throughout the run to make sure everything's going well. Um, and, and that's like standard. But if you want to have each part individually inspected, you have to pay like for that. And we like didn't know that basically. Mm. So that's another thing we're doing going forward is paying to have them inspect every single part. And uh, that will just help us. Like it just saves time and um, like kind of pain down the road um, so that we don't have to like QC the parts and stuff. So that's another um, change that will make it easier on us. So I think, you know, we should be theoretically able to assemble like 400 pins a day, easy, um, if there's no problems. So hopefully the future is bright in terms of that. <laughs> so I wanted to mention that we've, we've spoken about this in the past because obviously this show is, it's, it focuses a lot around Kickstarter and every year I do a Kickstarter campaign along with Brad Dowdy, mm-hmm. who's my co-host of a show that we do called The Pen Addict, which is probably more interesting to listeners of this show than maybe it's ever been before. Um, I think yeah. there's a lot more yeah. crossover <laughs> now than there ever has been. Um, so we do a campaign. We, we started it five years ago. We've done it every year for five years. And wow. the, the initial one was to... Me and Brad never met, and he was going to be going to the Atlanta Pen Show with his company, Knock, where he... Uh, makes and sells pen cases and paper and, 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 and items like that and was going to be exhibiting. And we thought this would be a great time for us to meet for the first time. We could record, I think it was like episode 150. It was it lined up so mm-hmm. perfectly, so we'd get together and record it. It went really well. And then every year we've done it again. And over the And the way that we've continued to do it and the reason we keep doing it is we keep expanding the scope, going to new cities, mm-hmm. doing new different things. So... This year's campaign was to do two live shows, which we've never done before, like live shows with audiences at two different pen shows, one in Atlanta in April, one at San Francisco in August. And we do a couple of things every year. We do uh, a video version of the episode um, that we record in front of the audience as one of our kind of uh, backer awards. And then Brad's company, Knock, create a case of some description to sell. Now, this year, we broke all of our records. Mm-hmm. So it's the most backers and the most money that we've made. Um, and I, that is, we've actually uh, hit those two things on two different years previously because of price stuff. So uh-huh. in 2017, we had our highest backer number, which is 720 backers, and we made $29,000. Then last year, we made 30900 30, but at 684 backers, and it was because the the case was more expensive. Mm-hmm. This year, we made $47,000 with 909 backers. Wow. 
Ooh, that's a big jump. It's a huge jump. And that's what's interesting to us is looking at the breakdowns. This year, so we do three reward levels every year. We do a, like, uh, you can get the videos. You can you, you can get just the videos. You can get just the case. Or you can get all of it. And this year, what we've seen was more people went for the all of it than they had in previous years so hmm. um, um and less people went for just the straight up i'll get the videos mm-hmm. and hmm. this has kind of taught us something about our campaign where clearly we have a more compelling case this year so this year's case so in the past we've had cases that are like they're focused around a specific use this year's case is just like an a5 pouch with a bunch of organizational pockets in the middle that you could like throw into a bag or whatever. And so mm-hmm. like that this is like a, a more broad use case product than some of the other stuff mm-hmm. that we've done in the past. Um, and like we don't know exactly what we can take away from this experience, but we know there's something in it. Right? Like we the the numbers aren't lying. Like every year there's been a more of a like consistency in the breakdown, but this year it's mm-hmm. like really heavily weighted into people wanting the case you know like the hmm. so for example we had 49 people that wanted just the videos last year was 131 and the year before was 94 hmm. so like there is a there is an interesting breakdown for us to learn from this one i think do mm-hmm. do you think that also accounts for just having more backers in general like maybe people jumped on board for the case or do you think there's some other reason why there's just like a backer growth yeah, there's a bunch of stuff going on. So we were kind of obviously paying attention to it as we was going through. And all the way from day one, we could see the breakdown change, that there were more people going all in than there had previously, right? So like there was mm-hmm. more interest in that. But there, I think there are a couple of other extenuating circumstances. Not extent, but there, there are a couple of things that had happened which could answer a, a change. So the show's audience is larger than it's ever been. And we just recorded our three hundred and is it fifty or was it three hundred? We we just recorded our three hundred and fiftieth episode uh, two weeks before the campaign ended. So I think there's a couple of things going on. One, there's more people, but I don't think that equates for it because I don't think percentage wise we've got that much of a jump. And then the other, I think, like people are feeling a um renewed sense of wanting to support the show because they're mm-hmm. thinking about our seven year span. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. you know, so I think that, that that's definitely part of it. And like me and Brad, we get, because we, the pan addict listeners that like our audience are very supportive of us. Like, and so mm-hmm. when we talk about kind of like the history of our show, we get quite emotional about it. And I think that uh-huh. that <laughs> definitely makes people feel like they they want to yeah. support the campaign more. I would expect yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. why yeah. we do it, of course, but like because <laughs> you're manipulating. <laughs> you know, we don't we we really the, the amount of money that we have made is more than we needed, and mm-hmm. as is always, like yeah. we find ways to spend that money mostly within the campaign. So like we're giving everyone some sticker sheets and we're increasing the amount of sticker sheets that we're giving if you backed one of them, like the top, top level. Mm-hmm. So like we're just finding ways to spend that money back 
into the well, campaign. I mean, and you're buying jet skis, right? I mean, yeah. that's what Dan and I always do. Every time, <laughs> new jet ski, laser etched with the, the campaign. I got like a pile of 10 jet skis in my backyard. <laughs> they're just there's rust in it at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm <right>. landlocked. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're not near any water, but you know, there's just a sign of wealth. You know? <laughs> this is the celebration tactic. It, this was like always the joke. I think Dan, like, I think when like the glyph happened and it was like a couple of days in and it was like going crazy, Dan was like, "Okay, so jet skis, right?" Like the, this has been a joke for a decade almost. Anyways, well, that's I mean that's awesome. That's uh, I'm still curious. I mean, it's so tricky because you have a much larger audience than what t- typically like like a small percentage of your audience backs the Kickstarter, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to know like did your audience get bigger. Or is it just like, like you said, there's more reasons why they might have come this time or whatever. Impossible to answer probably, but um, that's cool. I mean, that feels really good because that's a big jump like in number of, because that's the thing that I always look at with Kickstarters is not the number of like the money raised, but just the number of people. Well, because the money raised can be so many different things, right? Like we have made more money as the product became more expensive. That is not any signifier of us being more successful. We just charge more money. Um, I mean, and that is interesting because, like, if you can get people to pay higher amounts of money, there is some element of success in that because, like, Mm -hmm. you've you've you have been able to show people like that they trust you, right? But Mm -hmm. it's still like that when if you're looking at like how successful is a Kickstarter campaign, like the amount of money you make isn't necessarily it, but it is the backer level. But we went up from also you're not making that money, you know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) it's like it's not about it's not even profit, right? It's just like revenue, especially like doesn't necessarily mean anything when you think of how much of it is shipping. Yeah, right. (laughs) So like you know, there's there's and the taxes and whatever, all that kind of stuff. Like the money is not Mm -hmm. as it appears. But like the most interesting thing is we, you know, like our previous. So like you know. Uh, our previous highest number was 720 and we went up to 909 we nearly increased by 200 backers which is that's the big thing for us Mm -hmm. is like what what happened and that's like almost 30 percent yeah so it's a it's a huge huge kind of growth for us which we're excited and puzzled about which is how most yeah. things are with these numbers. Well, you'll never know. We're never going to know. It is cool. <laughs> there is one way to know is next year have just like a god awful reward, just like and a really crappy what, yeah. product, and then mm-hmm. see if it's a huge drop It feels drop like off. a good test. Great advice. <laughs> it's great. Advice. Yeah. It's, we'll, we'll definitely find something. Well, that's out. cool. So, uh, I mean, do you guys ever see like, do, do you see this just like growing and growing and growing, like getting bigger and bigger? Like, you know, like maybe you're putting on your own pin show or, you know, like, is there any... Oh, we have a bunch of wild ideas, right? That like, we we just keep pushing off. Like, oh, 2020 will be the one where we do X. But like, mm-hmm. I think what, what we have found at this point is, is if we feel like something uh, is within the realm of possibility, we can, we can do it. Because uh, people are waiting mm-hmm. for it now every year, you know, like they're ready, like they got their card in hand, they know the time of the year it's coming up, but it happens mm-hmm. at the same time every year. Um, like people are are ready to keep doing it because we keep delivering on what we promise, right? Yeah. So like the the we have built up trust at this point because I mean we have a five year track record of of doing it and doing it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I think within a few years we have some pretty wild ideas that are going to take a lot more funding 
but it seems like it wouldn't necessarily be impossible as long as we did it realistically. Mm-hmm. You know? Cool. But I don't really want to talk about them yet. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> That's cool. Great teaser. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's so funny. I mean, I imagine... Yeah, it's just funny how... With, like, Brad making... a. I wonder how much was there. So Brad has a Kickstarter of a pin right now. How much overlap was there of time between the two Kickstarters? Oh, I wonder if that well, so this there. was the thing. It was a lot of time. We were, I was worried about it mm-hmm. because so Brad had a success, very successful campaign, 994 backers uh, for a pen that he's collaborating uh, on and called the Spoke Pen. Um, which is like it's a really great kind of it's a really great design is working with a guy called Brian Conti who had a previously successful kind of pen uh, a mechanical pencil business we, we we found Brad found his mechanical pencil called the spoke pencil we both fell in love with it and that's how this project was born um, and I was I think a little bit more worried than Brad but but we were both a little bit concerned about the fact that like these projects overlapped like mm-hmm. quite significantly um, we launched the Pen Addict campaign, I think, like about a week after the Spoke oh. Pen. So they like overlapped for. Wait, for... it was a week after? Yeah. Man, my timeline's all messed up. I thought the Pen Addict was before. No, the Pen Addict one came just <laughs> after. But like, so I think that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the case. And uh, so it was just like, uh, we were a little bit concerned. Right, that like is this gonna mm-hmm. be? Is this gonna change? What is this gonna change? If anything, mm-hmm. I-, I couldn't tell you if it did. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know, but maybe there's some sort of like synergy, you know? Like who knows? Who, well, know? let me, let me tell you. I actually slightly slightly. Uh, I can I can actually get the dates. So we launched the spoke pen was on February the fifth. Uh, that was when that one launched, and we launched the pen addict campaign on February nineteenth. So mm-hmm. it was about halfway through, I think, the, mm-hmm. the Spoke Pen campaign. Um, and I was worried that, like, oh, is this going to be, like, fatigue? Right? Yeah. Um, but no, it seems not. And nobody yeah. complained. Like, no one said anything, yeah. right? It was just it was just our concern. But no, it, basically nobody said a thing about the fact that they were overlapping. I like it. You know, I that's kind of always been our, I think, um, whenever we think there's, like, too much... We, I don't think we ever really get like a fatigue pushback, but I think that's only because we are so conservative with that stuff, you know, like if we kept, you know, um, so I think it's good to always think that there's going to be like fatigue or too much. But yeah, I think it, like in our, um, I think that's true for us too, that like releasing two products at once isn't necessarily, you know, like a, a horrible thing or whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, speaking of new products though, do you have anything on the horizon right now? So much on the horizon. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's been interesting because we've kind of had all these ideas kind of percolating while we were heads down uh, assembling Mark Ones, basically, and now it's like, oh, we can like work on these things now. Uh, so <laughs> it's kind of refreshing. Um, so yeah, we have uh, quite a few things. Uh, like actually several things in the kind of stationary world. Um, and then also just to offer one tease, we're, we're like 95% sure this probably, we're probably going to do it. Uh, but just to give me a little bit of wiggle room in case we decide to not do it is, uh, we have like a special, 
edition of the Mark One planned for later this year. Um, that will be uh, made out of different materials than the original one. Um, so I think that's all we'll say for now, but, uh, we're pretty Mm -hmm. excited about kind of where it's headed and there'll be some kind of new and interesting things about the kind of meta of it as well. Uh, so I think that's going to be a fun, a fun time and a fun kind of experiment. So look out for that later this year, I guess. Look at you with the teasers now. Yeah. How was that tease? (laughs) Was that okay? I think it was okay. Did I say too much? Oh, God, I said too much. I think you might have said too much. <laughs> I think uh, you're okay. We're okay. Uh, I wanted to to see how you felt about the fact that AirPods now exist, but the Air Power Mat doesn't, and mm. the fact that you have Qi chargers, like the Material Dark. Uh, and I wonder now, like we, we spent so much time talking about and thinking about the right configuration for mm-hmm. the chi charging and and the non-chi charging pads do you feel that now now knowing what we know the fact that the airpods is out the airpods supports chi charging do you feel like you made the right decision i think so i mean it's funny because uh when we were originally designing the the kind of 3 in 1 material dock with the 3 charging stations um what i always thought i would do in my head in this hypothetical world where there were airpods with chi charging is i would keep the phone on the lightning the watch obviously goes where the watch goes and then i would just kind of plop the airpods down on the chi charging mat um but having used it for the past few months with the airpods on the lightning and the phone on the chi charger like i actually really like that um so i didn't even buy the uh the new airpods just because the way i have things now is working really well for me um so it is it's it, it is nice that we kind of anticipate like, it was heavily rumored uh back when we were making yeah, we this that, <laughs> yeah so like we knew that uh well the, the, we did have a it was unclear if uh, if the airpods would only work with air power or if they would be yeah. like general chi yeah. charging. It was up. unknown if they would have chi in them at all, right? Because there was right, a lot of questions right. about that. Yeah. It could be it could have been like the Apple Watch where you like have to use their special charging thing to work. Um so we're glad they didn't do that. And uh so it's nice. It's now it's like, oh you can there's kind of like more configurations now. You can do it kind of however you like. You could even uh, some people might just basically completely ignore the lightning part of it and just like have their AirPods on the Qi when their phone is not on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a number of ways you can do it. So yeah, we're pretty happy about that. Yeah, I I never picked one of them up, but now I'm really tempted to, and I will get the just the, the, the Qi pad because I still, mm. still don't want to charge my phone with it, but now I have the AirPods, <laughs> uh, so I, I probably will, will do that. Yeah, yeah, it fell right into our laps. That chi, I was like, when the announcement was going out, I was like, let me go look. And there, and it was nice because like Apple was so explicit on their website about there was like chi. It was like any chi, you know, it wasn't like some weird only certain chi. So that's cool. I have my AirPods. Oh yeah, yeah I, I, saw, I saw your Instagram, I saw your Instagram story, live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does the uh, the latch feel like the closing and opening? Because they changed that, I think they did change it. It's got, it feels more springy. Than the previous one, like I feel like it's got more of a like it it tries to get away from me. 
when I open it. But that's nice, though. Feels good. I think I might actually. I saw like on Mac Rumors or something, uh, like those Beats headphone earphones your pods whatever uh that are more kind of like workout ones that the beats kind of wrap around your ears yeah like yeah. it's rumored that they're gonna do a new version of those that have the h1 chip makes that, sense that don't have the wire like connecting them together oh so it's, yeah they're, yeah they're more this. like uh mm-hmm. they're more like airpods and i'm act- i might actually get those uh instead of the new airpods because airpods fit horribly <laughs> in my ears but it's such a good product that i like still use them and just tolerate that it like falls out if i bend down um and so it's kind of like a testament to how good airpods are as i just like still use them even though they're, they're not really appropriately sized for my ears uh so i i think i might actually try those beats things just because i think it'd be nice to have something that actually stays in my ear that'd be kind of refreshing <laughs> did you see the um the leaked images from ios 12.2 of these of the beats things mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah. i mean i like i didn't study them i just looked they're kind of like they're more like workout headphones where they like kind of attach to your ear right yeah yeah and they've got like a nice black case they look pretty cool actually yeah and also the and I, I think they have, like, the part that goes in your ear, they have, like, different sizes as, like, silicone headphones, like, typically do, like, kind mm-hmm. of a small, medium, and mm-hmm. large. So I think that will help, too. These uh, would be a good alternative to AirPods, like, yeah. gen- like a genuinely good alternative to AirPods, where, like, the Beats X, the previous ones, they still had, like, a cord, right, that, that went between them yeah. and stuff. And, yeah, you yeah. know. The the design of these is more aggressive, but but it makes sense, right? Because they're, like they're bigger, and, and I get it. I bet the battery life is pretty good on them. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder uh, how much the like white AirPod status symbol has become a signifier that will like limit the uh, popularity of the Beats ones. Weirdly know? enough, like, weirdly enough, AirPods is more like Beats than Beats are now. In a strange yeah, way, yeah, right? Mm-hmm, Where like Beats mm-hmm. were a status symbol for a while, which has now been overtaken by AirPods. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of fascinating to think about. Fashion, you know, that will melt away I mean, as soon as like, especially when like AirPods. I mean, maybe that's why AirPods like won't be black, you know, for a long time uh, because like mm-hmm. Apple wants to keep the like white headphone like status symbol thing going, like mm-hmm. they did with the analog ones, but. Uh, yeah, it's cra- it's interesting how popular of a product uh, they are. Mm-hmm. I always, I mean, I really like mine. I mean, like, you know, it, it makes sense why they're so popular, but it also feels like such a nerdy tech thing, at least initially, you know, because it's so present on your face, too, that um, it you look like a future person, like, when you have them, and I'm surprised <laughs> that, like, the general public wants to be a future person, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, wants to, like... <laughs> have these like white future person things sticking out of their head so it's like, interesting i think the killer feature for me actually is uh just having one ear in um mm-hmm. that's just really useful and being able to take it out yeah like, and have it stop it's like yeah, yeah. it's awesome yeah Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Niche. You can find out more about this episode at relay.fm slash tc slash 49. And yes, this was recorded before Air Power was cancelled. Mm-hmm.